0: By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, indeedcom slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, girlies! Another episode of CMOS Girlies coming to you live. Kate and Emma here. It's Sunday night, and we have our intro topics, um, which are some interesting one this week. How you doing, Emma? I'm doing good. Yeah, I read through the list and yours are
2: very kooky. I don't have much to add this week, but I'm good. I swam this morning. I wasn't really planning on having a crazy workout because I was a little hungover from having too much red wine yesterday. But I saw two of my swim buddies and I just ended up shooting the shit with them and I practiced with them. We did about, I want to say almost like 4,000 yards, which is like pretty substantial. And it was a good quirky time. I kind of had a terrible experience with City Bike It is, you know, at times, sometimes the best gift that the city has offered us. But I swear to God, I had to find like 10 different bikes to find one that finally worked. And I don't know why City Bike doesn't tell you like which regular bikes are like broken or
1: like which ones are actually working. Um, But that's besides the point. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, the City Bike stuff it's just shocking that people can break them. They're so heavy. These like bikes that go around New York City, they're rental bikes. They're like 50 pounds. I don't know how people like break the wheels, break off the batteries off the e-bikes. It really shocks me. Um, Yeah, I'm doing well. Went thrifting in Brooklyn for a little bit today in the morning and then came back and just did my usual shit. But body's feeling good. I don't, I'm not running yet. It's been like five and a half weeks since I injured myself with a stress fracture. So it's like, Fine, And I've kind of gotten over the hump of running. It's like funny. I have a half marathon in two weekends, which likely I'll have to pull out of unless I just kind of want to like walk it, jog it. Um, And then a full marathon next month, which I'm still TBD on and like my run club, I have to figure out. So it's been coming back into picture. I feel like my injury is is just I'm done with it mentally. I just forget it happens until I take a step. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, my knee does not feel good. (laughs) Forgot about that. So that's been good. But my weird notes, um. I'll start with one of them. Every now and then we post memes that are a certain format that I get questions about, like on my personal page, because I kind of use them in my own social media. And they're from this app called Whisper. So if you download the app, it's like the memes where it's like a random photo and then it's kind of like black and white text on screen and it's not an Instagram font. Like that's kind of what you can recognize it as. But this app essentially, like you just type anything into the app, a sentence. Like I could type, I love potatoes, and a random image will come up and be generated. You also can add your own images and do stuff. But on the, fo- I didn't realize that it's an actual social media app, so I just like screenshot it and use it as an editing thing for like memes like with CMOS release. But if you scroll on a certain section of the app, it's like a social media feed. And I'm gonna do it right now because I was sitting and laughing my ass off at some of the whispers. That one of them was like, "When you go on a date, when do you decide who's paying for what?" I personally like to know what's going on financially before I ever leave the house. One of them said. I feel like becoming a stoner has made me less self conscious and more aware of how attractive I actually am. Is it normal for people to be more angry after therapy? My husband has been seeing a therapist and I finally realized that every time he gets home he's really on edge for a few hours. Like it's so it's so odd that you can, I don't know, interact with people in that way, but maybe it'll be my new way to scroll because I'm not really scrolling on Instagram or TikTok, but maybe Whisper is where it's at.
2: Maybe that'll be the new app that takes over our lives. Yeah. I haven't been scrolling much either. My head just hurts whenever i go on tiktok and nothing is like funny or interesting or inspiring yeah um love that for you i want to give people an update on my coconut yogurt because i think it was the last episode i was talking about that and i want to let everyone know that my coconut yogurt successfully fermented and i have delicious probiotic yogurt that i wouldn't say rivals coconut cult but it I think in a few other tries, it'll get there. Now wow. I want to go crazy with the flavors. So I've just been basically screenshotting everything that the coconut Cult has done before. And I'm just going to try to like replicate it. Um, Wait, that's exciting. That so
1: what so what flavor did you do as like your beginning flavor? Just... Um,
2: So I did chocolate. So I did, I added basically just cacao powder and then I used a fine and raw chocolate bar, but I think I'm going to do some sort of like strawberry cheesecake perhaps next time. Thank um you. I'm also going down to Naples, Florida this week and that might inspire me to attempt a key lime pie situation, but that might be a little too advanced for me at this moment.
1: Wow, I love the yogurt moment. Um I did a little thing with my weird gelatin mold because I wasn't going to make gelatin gummies. I did like date bites with Snickers and then I just like melted chocolate on it. It was a very failed like kind of no bake vegan you know those vegan snickers bars that i feel like everyone was doing that was the vibe uh pretty low hanging fruit there but another topic that i have on here well one i love youtube i've started posting on youtube it's really fun people are very nice um i've been doing like 15 minute vlogs and i have another one coming out this week which is very fun but my other point about food was that there's something about the feeling of putting a japanese sweet potato in the microwave Putting it in the freezer, if you want to boost up the resistant starch, if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically, what episode would we even explain that? Bioavailability Mm -hmm. up, maybe? Perhaps. One, an episode
2: is somewhere like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, the skinny, it's,
1: it's just more nutritious. If you like cool down your resistant starch, this can be rice. This can be, it increases the resistant starch quality. If you cool down rice, cool down potatoes. So like put a potato in the microwave, put it in the freezer for a little bit, put it in your hand. And it's such a comfortable feeling to like hold a Japanese potato in your hand and then like drip a nut butter on it and just like take a bite out of it kind of like you're eating an apple so I've started to do that back in my life again um I, I just wasn't buying potatoes for a bit I don't know what got into me I was on such a cottage cheese cake that I was like potatoes aren't even a food to me and you I might be like the kills are very different foods why don't you buy both I don't know but I'm kind of off cottage cheese I was overdoing it and I was like every two days I had to go buy more and I was like we need to stop with this habit so I've been doing the Japanese sweet potato and then while I was doing this I was using this thing called shroom drip by lock o living when I worked at Camp Beauty we had products by Laka all the time but I never tried them so the shroom drip is like macadamia nut based then it has different adaptogens and while I was eating it at first I was kind of like "Mm." I was like macadamia nut butter is kind of mm, it's interesting it's kind of tastes like rocks like it's not that interesting of a taste it's kind of like when you try tahini and you're just expecting maybe you're expecting it to be like a peanut butter like a punchy flavor and it's like This is just bland. But I realized that macadamia nut is a flavor that's too complex for a non-adult mind. You really need to be like an advanced person to appreciate it. Well, I think the same way you need to appreciate tahini. And I finally am like, okay, I get macadamia nut butter. And that's my current nut butter of the moment. My last note is random of I would rather do dishes for two days straight than ever have to shave my legs. I just fucking hate shaving my legs. And I've only really been doing it because I'm going to PT and the guy like has to massage my knee area and I feel bad if it's like, (laughs) I don't know if I should feel bad or not, if that's like internalized like issues that I have that I feel like my legs can't have hair on them but I just feel awkward and so um, I hate shaving my legs. And I don't know if it's because I'm tall, but I just fucking hate doing it.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm sure your PT has seen some gnarly knees before, so I'm (laughs) sure if yours has a few hairs, that'll be okay. I don't think he's going to judge and I hope he doesn't judge. Um, Yeah, I hope. That is a goofy thing. Um, Yeah, kind of back to the macadamia nut butter. I've never had macadamia nut butter, but I really like macadamia nuts on their own Um, and I feel like it's one of those things. I mean, I think tahini... Is only good if you actually get like a good quality kind. I think when I first had tahini, yeah. it was from Trader Joe's, which tasted like ass, and that really turned me off. But then once I actually found good tahini, I was like, oh, damn, this is what tahini is supposed to look like or well, not look like taste like.
1: No, what what um, so could
2: be maybe the same with macadamia.
1: What I was going to say is, I don't think you would ever just eat a spoonful of tahini. I don't think you would ever eat a spoonful of macadamia nut. I don't think you would ever eat a spoonful oh, of. Oh, girl, p- I do okay or of like plain hummus like it's just a plain thing I feel like there's not I don't know that was my point on it being plain not it being bad but I feel like I personally could eat a spoonful of like I don't know maybe not even almond butter maybe I'm just I need another substance with a with a nut butter
2: perhaps who knows Um, or like I feel like
1: that seems like the same as people eating like a like just avocado plain you you like to have a depth of flavor I don't know. Seamass girlies, if you're if you're listening and you're with me, I feel like we need to do a spectrum of nut butters of like ones that are taste like each other. And then they kind of get more advanced because like macadamia nut, tahini, cashew butter, all all kind of in that same flavor profile. And then almond butter feels very different. But then like peanut butter feels very different. and Coconut butter is its whole other thing.
2: Yeah, they're they're all they're all different. They're all different nuts. They Anyways, different exciting
1: tastes. exciting things from Kate Brain. But today's episode is about antioxidants, about phytochemicals. I was telling Emma before we did this there was like a mistypo or something or I misinterpreted something we were first talking about this episode I thought we were doing something about photochemicals and I was like what the fuck is a photochemical like I've never heard this in a health and wellness podcast and I started to google it and it has something to do with like film photography and I was like wait phytochemicals that's what we're talking about today so yeah yeah I'm excited
2: for this episode I been reading a lot about phytochemicals for my fucking soil book, which is actually finally getting good. I feel like people are so tired of me talking about this goddamn book. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I think it's an area of health that a lot of people may not know about. I feel like it's kind of um perhaps a little bit more advanced in terms of health and wellness. So if you're someone who feels like you know everything under the sun, you might actually learn something new today. So get your notebook out, as we used to say. And yeah, let's let's talk about the polyphenols and all that fun jazz.
0: Let's get into it.
1: Meet Huel, the first nutritionally complete plant-based protein powder. Today, we're focusing on Huel Black Edition, which is a protein supplement that includes 27 essential vitamins and minerals and 40 grams of protein per serving. I love adding it to smoothies and yogurt bowls for extra nutrients to support my lifestyle. One reason why we love Huel is that their mission is to create complete,
2: convenient, affordable food with minimal impact on animals and the environment. All of Huel's products are vegan and have a one-year shelf life to reduce food waste. That's a win in our books. They even make it easy to adjust your serving size easily and know exactly what and how much you are putting into your body.
1: Possible benefits of Huel includes things like vitamin C to support your immune system, omega-3s for a healthy heart, iron for maintaining energy levels, magnesium to
2: support teeth and bones, protein to support muscles and bones, vitamin B12 to support
1: metabolism, zinc for healthy hair, skin, and nails. And lastly, fiber to support digestive health. So if you want to try out Huel for yourself, you can use Huel.com backslash CMOS, which includes a free t-shirt and shaker with purchase.
2: Okay, so let's chat about phytochemicals, antioxidants, all that stuff. So what are phytochemicals? Many of you might know what they are, some of you may not. I know it's a term that's often thrown about in a lot of podcast episodes, but they're essentially just compounds produced by plants to resist and deter like pests and pathogens and Phytochemicals can also work as a preventative medicine once they land into our own personal bodies after we consume them. And they can play many key roles in our personal health, whether that's like cellular cleanup, neutralizing toxins, curbing abnormal cell growth to fight cancer. And there's also growing evidence that certain phytochemicals are connected to like lowering blood pressure and preventing chronic diseases. There's still so much research that I think like has to be done in terms of phytochemicals. There's obviously not much of an incentive to do research in that area. But I do find it very interesting that, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables will have their different vitamins and minerals or whatever macronutrients that they make up. But then kind of realizing that there's like this whole another world of other compounds and chemicals that we can gain benefit from is really interesting. And so there's over like 50,000 phytochemicals and a lot of these contribute to like the flavor and colors in most foods that we eat. So for example, anthocyanins give berries like their purple color. Um, and then phytochemicals, they also fall into multiple different groups. So one group of phytochemicals are polyphenols, which I know Stephen Gundry talks about a lot on his podcast, but there's over 8,000 types and they're known for like, you know, lowering the risk of coronary heart disease, reducing inflammation, improving vascular health, et cetera. And then there's flavonoids, which are another subgroup of polyphenols and those also have potent antioxidant properties. And so a lot of vegetables kind of across the board and fruits as well, are all going to can- contain different types of phytochemicals. So it's not like you only have to eat berries or can only eat dark chocolate to obtain these benefits. Eating carrots is also a source of phytochemicals through the beta carotene. Um, but oftentimes these like phytochemicals are embedded in the fiber of plant foods. And so it's really actually ult- ultimately up to our gut microbiome to release the benefits so the healthier of a gut microbiome that you have and a more diverse microbiota that you have the greater chance that your body's going to actually be able to extract and actually utilize these phytochemicals and basically this occurs when the microbiota turn the polyphenols or whatever compound it is that you're like consuming into smaller molecules which makes them more transportable in blood and therefore easier for cells and tissues to take up and use which i think is kind of interesting to kind of be able to sort of zoom out and realize like how your body's actually using these compounds because it's definitely way more than you just like simply taking a bite of an apple. So definitely, you know, everything's connected like Kate and I said. So perhaps prioritizing your gut health, which is something that we like to do over here in CMOS really world can help you in terms of
1: obtaining more nutrients. Totally. The next section of the app is kind of talking about antioxidants, so when I hear the word antioxidants, I tend to think about food. I feel like I always think about blueberries and you think about like a laundry list of dark leafy greens and coffee, chocolate, things that will help your overall health and kind of like, I always feel like it's talked about like in maybe flu season to like boost your immunity or something like that. But antioxidants are a lot different than just what you can get from food. So they're substances that technically protect your cells against free radicals, which can play a role in a lot of different things. It can play a role in heart disease, cancer, and other diseases. So antioxidants prevent against disease. They kind of keep you stay healthy. The molecules that fight free radicals in your body um, are what antioxidants are, but yes, they, are so, they also are found in food, as I mentioned. So this is going to be fruits, vegetables. Most of the time, it's like plant-based whole foods, but several vitamins like vitamin E and C are going to be effective antioxidants as well. So without having antioxidants, the free radicals would overtake this and it would cause serious harm quickly, resulting in death. And that's why they're essential in the body. Now, free radicals, I feel like, I always hear about once again in health podcasts or oxidative stress, but I have like no idea what the fuck they're talking about. So free radicals, they do serve important functions that are essential for health. Your immune cells use free radicals to fight off infections. And so your body needs this balance of free radicals to antioxidants ratio. So you don't have too many free radicals that you die. Um, But you don't have too many antioxidants as well. So you actually can have like an abundant amount of antioxidants, which i will get into a little bit later. Um, So yeah, when free radicals outnumber antioxidants, this is what all of the health gurus call oxidative stress. It's an imbalance between the two. And the issue here of like this imbalance, it can, if you have a prolonged oxidative stress, it can damage your DNA and important molecules in your body. Sometimes it leads to cell death. So like when you hear, is it Mark Hyman that says inflammaging or something like that? Um, yeah. yeah. Oxidative stress, like oxidative stress is important to think about like inflammation, how we talk about inflammation can be good when it's acute. Like if you're working out and then you have a recovery period after, like that helps you know promote cell health and it helps promote muscle growth but if you're always inflamed that's when it can lead to bad stuff and so that's kind of like this oxidative stress is like if you don't get it under control it can damage your dna and it can reverse your biological age or something like that what you know when they say like you on paper could be 24 years old but you could actually be like a six-year-old person and so that's what like oxidative stress is And damage to your DNA also can increase increase your risk of cancer and other diseases. And some scientists have theorized that it plays a pivotal role in this aging process. And that's kind of where like the holistic health space is, is kind of looking at the studies that talk about DNA and like what's happening to your DNA and then like the relation to long-term diseases. So there's still some work that needs to be done in that area. Um, but as I said before, like inflammation, oxidative stress is not always bad. So physical performance is known to induce oxidative stress, inflammation, and muscle fatigue. And you'd think like, oh God, those things are bad. You don't want your muscles to be fatigued, but it's like totally fine if it's in like a smart dose, it's like a short term dose. And so like what you can do about oxidative stress is there's a lot of lifestyle factors, and this is like antioxidants at large, right? Because oxidative stress is technically all about antioxidants. Like, don't just focus on eating blueberries, it's a lot of lifestyle factors that are known to promote this excess like free radical balance in your body and it's going to be things like air pollution cigarette smoke alcohol intake high blood sugar levels etc so it's not like the super specific like eat this one nutrient and your body will be cured overnight it's like all these compound things so that's why it's more important to look at the broader environmental and like lifestyle factors too
2: Yeah. And so maybe you're someone who wants to start paying attention to phytochemicals and perhaps you want to know if your food actually even contains them. So I think one question that people are probably wondering is like, does organic produce contain higher levels of phytochemicals? And this is something that I've been learning a lot from the book that I've been reading the soil book called, um, what your food ate. And it's been really eye opening just to like really learn about the differences between organic and conventionally grown food. Obviously we all know that like, yeah, organic food is like better, but it is super expensive and sometimes it's hard to justify the cost of it, but kind of after reading the book, I've realized like, holy shit, the amount of nutrients that are actually in organic foods versus conventionally great grown food is like mind boggling. Um, and so yes, in short, most conventional crops um, are not going to have as high level of phytochemicals compared to organically grown produce. And this is largely due to the fact that conventional crops are going to be sprayed with glyphosate and plants, how they produce the phenols or other phytochemical compounds is via this thing called the shikimate pathway. And the one reason that conventionally grown crops don't contain as many phytochemicals or any phenol contents is because the glyphosate basically shuts down this entire pathway in plants when they're sprayed with this. And Another thing, too, is that like when plants are grown without herbicides and pesticides, they are going to be exposed to minor insect damage and low level exposure pathogens, which trigger plants to produce these compounds to ward off pests. So it's, you know, a lot of us probably think like, oh, pests are bad for plants, but actually like they need to be exposed to those in order for them to develop these defense mechanisms, which then have greater impacts on our health and this is why again organic produce is found to have higher levels of certain compounds and there's a few studies that the book kind of goes into there's one from 2014 the british journal of nutrition and they essentially analyzed 343 peer reviewed publications on the differences between organic and conventional foods this was definitely like a meta analysis back then and the study found that there were consistently higher levels of antioxidants in organic crops And that the conventionally grown crops had higher concentrations of pesticide use and the toxic metal cadmium, which I know we talked about in a few episodes uh, because of the, um, the studies on all the dark chocolate bars and some of them containing higher levels of cadmium, um, Anyway, the organically grown foods also contain higher levels of phytochemicals and estimated that people who were to to take in organically grown foods would obtain about 20 to 60% more phytochemicals versus eating conventionally grown foods. So that basically means that you would have to eat twice as much conventional produce plus twice as many pesticides in order to get the same amount of phytochemicals. And then there's another study from 2001 from the Journal of Science of Food and Agriculture, and they came to a similar conclusion to the study that I previously mentioned, and their conclusion was that phytochemicals were 10 to 50% higher in organically grown veggies. And again, the driving factor is that organic crops have higher exposure to soil microbiota that spur plants to increase the production of these compounds. And, you know, I do think there's still importance for conventionally grown crops, right? Like they still drive higher yields, but at the end of the day, when they land on our plates, they're not going to deliver the same level of micronutrients or phytochemicals compared to organic foods. And I don't want this to make people think that like, oh, eating conventionally grown food is pointless. Like it's a waste of time because I'm not going to be obtaining any nutrients. Like you're still going to be getting your vitamins and micronutrients. And I think it is unfortunate that our system relies relies so heavily and incentivizes farming practices that reduce the nutritional quality of our foods. But I think it's just interesting to like, actually understand like the stark difference. And if you are able to afford organically grown food, I think that's great. And I don't think like phytochemicals, you should like hyper-focus and make that like your only priority when it comes to health, because there's so many other things I think that like override that, whether that's like sleep or stress. Um, But I just think it's like very interesting that Yeah, you just have to eat so much more from conventionally grown food in order to get even a fraction of what organic food has. And so I guess like a few ways to maybe incorporate phytochemicals into your diet, obviously, you know, focusing on organic foods or mainly just like plant foods, especially like the dark leafy greens, berries, cruciferous, veggies, green tea is also known to have a lot of polyphenols. So you could swap your coffee for green tea in the afternoon Then also dark chocolate, which I'm sure everyone loves. That is a great
1: source to also consume. And that is one of my favorite ways. Yeah. Adding on to that point about food when it comes to antioxidants. So as I said, your body generates its own antioxidants and then some of it you can't get through food. So one example of a cellular antioxidant is glutathione. So if you've heard of that in like the the biohacking sphere, that's one that people play around with sometimes. So getting the adequate antioxidant intake is very important. Your life depends on things like vitamin C and E, but some non-essential antioxidants occur in food and they're unnecessary like for your body to you know to stay alive but they're an important role in your health and, you know, the health benefits of, like, this diet, this just diverse diet that we've been talking about and kind of, like, the boring, unsexy stuff is because of the variety of antioxidants they provide. Like, if you're eating a, var- a variety of different vegetables versus just, like, the same one every day, the plant compounds and interactions between different nutrients is why it's so important in your gut microbiome and then, like, leads to other factors. So, as Emma said, it's, like, berries, your green tea, coffee, dark chocolate are good sources. Um, and also another thing to note is that antioxidants can increase the shelf life of products. So they're often used as food additives. Like if you've ever seen vitamin C as a food additive and you might be like, I thought this was a vitamin, like what it's it's sometimes added to processed food as a preservative. Um, it's funny that coffee is often talked about as like The Like this is where everyone gets their antioxidants from. And one of these doctors I was reading from was pushing back on it. He's like, well, it's mostly just because people a lot of people consume coffee, but a lot of people don't consume dark leafy greens. And so it's just like the most people drink coffee. And that's why it's like the most, you know, used antioxidant. It's not necessarily like the best antioxidant out there. So there's also a thing called endogenous versus exogenous antioxidants, which I'm not really going to get into. Um, I feel like I hear Stephanie Estima talk about exogenous ketones all the time. Um, An example of an, an endogenous antioxidant is going to be glutathione, uric acid. These ones are kind of like things we're not going to focus on. Um, But the reason that people focus on exogenous ones is because they've kind of talked, like as I was talking earlier about oxidative stress, these antioxidants either prevent or reduce oxidative stress and they also like decrease muscle soreness and physical stress and sports performance. And so that's why like a lot of athletes are focused on things like vitamin E, vitamin C and beta caranoid. Um, and there's a kind of this chart which I'm not gonna be able to describe probably, but like tocophenols, If you've ever seen Sun Potion, has this product called Tocos. That's like the name for vitamin E. Azorbic acid is vitamin C. Carotenoids are what beta carotene is. And then there's different, you know, polyphenols down the road. Um, if you've ever heard of CoQ10, that's another endogenous antioxidant. So it's a lot less than you think of. Like it's kind of just like the vitamin E, C, and these other few. But as Emma said, like flavonoids are another kind of category where they're cultivated in plant foods um, and they're just essential for different functions of the body. There's not much to like pay attention to, but. They all kind of float together, but I think a question about this whole antioxidant category is like, should you take supplements? And the answer is probably no. So if you take an excessive intake of these isolated antioxidants, it can have toxic effects and kind of reverse this oxidative damage I was talking about. There's this phenomenon called like an antioxidant paradox where you think you're getting in vitamin C and E, but it's like hurting you more than it's helping you because it's like isolated doses. It's not combined with food or like with this is the stuff that you would get if you just were to eat an orange. So, you probably don't need to go out and buy like vitamin C pills. Like they always say that's one of the things that you can get from food most of the time. Um, but some lifestyle habits that help combat oxidative stress. It's going to be physical activity. The reason that this, you know, physical activity can alleviate these harmful effects from free radicals. But they say there's like obviously a balance for every individual of like overdoing it because they say like if you do too much high intensity, that can increase oxidative stress. And that's because your cells are like, what's going on? We don't know what we're doing. We're not like adapted to this load yet. And so excessive physical exercise is very detrimental to those who are not trained to do it. So if you progress through a program too fast, you go from working out once a week to the next week you work like seven days a week. That's why progressive training is so important because it allows the cells to detoxify after like, you're kind of inflaming them and putting them through this stress, they're able to take it more. And so that's why, you know, when you go through this excessive physical activity, it also is detrimental to your hormones. It could change your sleep wake cycle or your circadian rhythm, change your appetite, and also change your heart rate. Um, If you've ever had arrhythmia, it's actually like pretty scary when your heart is out of rhythm before. And it typically happens to younger people from overtraining and from like too much cardio, typically, or just too much intensity at once. Um, So do not do that. So, so yeah, that's kind of the the skinny on antioxidants, oxidative stress. I feel like it was super straightforward, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I feel like we did a good job of making it clear for everyone. I feel like these words are often thrown out all the time and I'm always just like I don't know what people are saying or like what to even envision. So hopefully this paints a lovely picture for you all yeah. in terms of what a what a phytochemical is and how it works in your body and how you can can consume it. Yeah. Um I think it's kind of cool and quirky and kooky
1: cool and quirky yeah it's kind of another um thing that is like okay lifestyle habits like you don't need to go out and buy antioxidant like powders and shit like that like you're gonna be fine if you're sleeping and eating a diverse amount of vegetables and stuff like that so free radicals are not as scary as you think no ma'am no
2: ma'am um yeah definitely let us know what your favorite phytochemical or polyphenol rich food is i think mine is probably dark chocolate or a nice berry perhaps except i am getting into like my matcha phase yeah. so i'm gonna throw matcha
1: in there as well yeah i don't really know i have to say dark chocolate's been hidden for me recently so it'll probably be that one crazy times yeah. crazy times in the sea girl universe um a pleasure to pod with you next week yes. we're well, going to florida so we're gonna have a chatty a chatty tiktok trend instagram nonsense episode again for you girlies for us to blab so stay tuned for that
2: Yes. Stay tuned and we'll catch you all next
1: week. Bye, girlies. I'm
0: Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast